Section 15 of A Description of Millennium Hall and the Country Adjacent by A Gentleman on His Travels. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter A Description of Millennium Hall and the Country Adjacent by Sarah Scott the history of miss trentham part one miss trentham never knew the blessing of a mother's care hers died the same month which gave her daughter birth and mr trentham survived his wife but eight years he left his little girl eleven thousand pounds recommending both her person and fortune to his mother mrs allworth mrs allworth was an old lady of good sense and merit she had felt the most melancholy but not unusual effect of long life having outlived all her children this misfortune she alleviated in the best manner she was able by receiving her grandchildren into her family her son by her second husband left behind him a boy and girl the former at the time i speak of about eleven years old the latter ten her daughter had married mr denham and at her death left two girls. Mr. Denham entering into wedlock a second time, very willingly complied with Mrs. Allworth's desire of having his two daughters. The eldest of these was twelve years old, the youngest eleven. These children had lived with the old lady some years when she took home Harriet Trentham. As their grandmother was rich, there had been a strong contention among them for her favour and they could not without great disgust see another rival brought to the house. Harriet was extremely handsome and engaging. The natural sweetness of her temper rendered her complying and observant. But having been bred under the care of a sensible and indulgent father, she had never been taught the little arts of behaviour which mothers too commonly inculcate with so much care that children are as void of simplicity at eight as at eight and twenty years old. The first thing a girl is taught is to hide her sentiments, to contradict the thoughts of her heart, and tell all the civil lies which custom has sanctified, with as much affectation and conceit as her mother. And when she has acquired all the folly and impertinence of a riper age, and apes the woman more ungracefully than a monkey does a fine gentleman, the parents congratulate themselves with the extremest complacency on the charming education they have given their daughter. Harriet had been taught no such lessons. Her father had a strong dislike to prematurity, and feared that communication with the world would too soon teach her art and disguise, the last things he would have chosen to anticipate. By teaching her humanity, he initiated her into civility of manners, she had learnt that to give pain was immoral, and could no more have borne to have shocked any person's mind than to have racked his body. Any thought, therefore, that could hurt, she suppressed as an indispensable duty, and to please by her actions, and not offend by her words, was an essential part of the religion in which she was educated. But in everything whereby no one could suffer, she was innocence and simplicity itself, and in her nature shone pure and uncorrupted 
either by natural or acquired vices. Mrs. Allworth, though fond of all her grandchildren, could not conquer a degree of partiality for Harriet, whose attractions, both personal and mental, were very superior to those of her cousins. Her beauty secured her the particular attention of all strangers. She gained their favour at first sight, and secured it by her amiable disposition when they became more acquainted with her. Envy is one of the first passions that appears in the human mind. Had Miss Allworth and the Miss Denhams been much younger, Harriet would not have passed unenvied. Every day increased their dislike to her as she grew daily more beloved by others, and they let no opportunity escape of making her feel the effects of their little malice. Their hatred to her produced a union among themselves. For the first time they found something in which they all agreed. They were continually laying little plots to lessen her in their grandmother's opinion. Frequent were the accusations against her, but her innocence always triumphed, though it never discouraged them from repeating the same unsuccessful attempts. Mrs. Allworth was extremely fond of them all, but yet she saw through their malice, and their behaviour only served to endear Harriet the more, who defended herself without anger and retained no rancour in her mind. Free from resentment or suspicion, she was ever open to their arts, and experience did not teach her to be on her guard against them, which often occasioned their having appearances on their side, and might have raised prejudices against her in Mrs. Allworth's mind, had she not found a defender in Master Allworth, who alone of all her cousins was free from envy. He was naturally of an honest and sweet disposition, and being fond of Harriet, for beauty has charms for all ages, felt great indignation at the treatment she received, and would often express a resentment from which she was wholly free. Mrs. Allworth's great fondness for her grandson, and strong prejudices against schools, from a belief that boys acquire there more vice than learning, had determined on a private education. She therefore provided a tutor for him before he was seven years old, a man of learning and sense, with a great deal of religion and good humour, and who was very attentive to the employment for which he had been chosen. Master Allworth, by being thus kept at home, had frequent opportunities of observing the malice of his sister and Miss Denham against Harriet, and never failed exposing their practices to his grandmother, who from thence learnt to suspect their reports about things which passed in his absence, and consequently could not be cleared up by him. His fondness for Harriet soon made him beloved by her, and as she found little pleasure in the society of her other cousins, she sought his company, but as he was much engaged by his studies, she seldom found him at leisure to play. The tutor, greatly delighted with her, tried to awaken in her mind a desire of improvement, and found it an easy task. She was inclined to learn, and capable of doing it with great quickness. Mrs. Allworth readily entered into the good man's views, and was pleased with the eagerness of Harriet's application. Master Allworth was far enough advanced in learning to assist his favourite, and from him she received instruction with double pleasure, and more easily comprehended his explanations than those of their tutor, 
who found it difficult to divest himself sufficiently of scientific terms, which greatly retard the increase of knowledge in a youthful mind. Thus beloved by her grandmother and Mr. Allworth, and hated and traduced by her female cousins, Harriet lived till she was sixteen. Years had still improved her person, and she had made considerable progress in learning, when Mrs. Allworth judged it proper that her grandson should go abroad to complete an education which she flattered herself was hitherto faultless. He had no objection to the scheme but what arose from his unwillingness to leave Harriet, who saw his departure approach with great concern. She loved and respected her grandmother, but Mr. Allworth was the only person whom she could look upon in the tender and equal light of a friend. To be deprived of his society was losing the chief pleasure of her life and her best guardian against her enemies. Mrs. Allworth was pleased with the affection which so evidently appeared between these two young people. She hoped to see a happy union arise from it. Their fortunes and ages were properly suited, and a love which had taken root in childhood and grown with their increasing years seemed to promise a lasting harmony of which the sweetness of their dispositions would be no bad security. These pleasing ideas amused this worthy woman, but the two friends themselves had not extended their views so far. Bred up like brother and sister, a tenderer degree of relation had not entered their thoughts, nor did anything more appear necessary to their happiness than a constant enjoyment of each other's friendship. In this disposition they parted when Mr. Allworth went abroad. His tutor, thinking himself not properly qualified to conduct him in his travels, recommended another gentleman, and Mr. Allworth, at Harriet's request, prevailed with their grandmother to detain his old tutor till Harriet's education was completed. Mr. Allworth continued abroad two years, during which time Harriet had applied with such unwearied diligence that she was perfect mistress of the living languages, and no less acquainted with Greek and Latin. She was well instructed in the ancient and modern philosophy, and in almost every branch of learning. Mr. Allworth found his cousin not alone improved in understanding. Her beauty was just then in its perfection, and it was scarcely possible to conceive anything handsomer. She had great elegance of manner, a point wherein her grandmother excelled, and was as far removed from conceit as from ignorance. Her situation was much mended by the marriage of the eldest Miss Denham, and Miss Allworth waited only for her brother's arrival and approbation to enter into the same state. The gentleman to whom she was going to be married had first made his address to Harriet, but, as well as several others, was refused by her. She was not inclined to change her situation, or this gentleman's fortune, person and character were unexceptional. However, one circumstance without any other objection would have been sufficient to have rendered his suit unsuccessful. She perceived that Miss Allworth was in love with him, and though she had little reason to have much regard for her, yet good nature made her anxious for the success of a passion which she saw was deeply rooted. She therefore, while she discouraged his addresses, took every means of recommending Miss Allworth, whose treatment of her she believed rather proceeded from compliance with Miss Denham's 
than from ill temper. This gave her hopes that she might make a good wife to Mr. Parnell, the object of her affections. He soon perceived that Miss Allworth did not behold him with indifference, but as he was much captivated by Harriet's charms, it at first had no other effect than leading him to indulge in complaints of her cruelty to Miss Allworth, who listened with compassion. Harriet often represented to him how little he ought to wish for her consent to marry him, which he so strongly solicited, for should she grant it, he would be miserable with a wife who did not love him. She told him that were he indifferent, her being so might do very well, and they live on together in that eternal ennui which must ever subsist between a married couple who have no affection for each other, and while natural good temper and prudence enable them to dream away a dull life in peace and dead insensibility, the world might call them happy, but that if he really loved her, her indifference would render him more wretched than the most blamable conduct. She would then represent the advantages of marrying a woman whose sole affections he possessed, though at first he felt for her only esteem and gratitude, and advised him by all means to seek for one whose heart was in that situation, which he was well qualified to find. Though Harriet forbore to mention Miss Allworth's name, Mr. Parnell well understood to whom she alluded, but found it difficult to take her advice. At length, however, deprived of all hope of obtaining the woman he loved, and moved to compassion by the visible unhappiness of one who loved him, he began to listen to it, and frankly told Harriet that he understood the aim of what she had said. She was not sorry to throw off all restraint, as it gave her the power of speaking more to the purpose, and at length brought him to say that he should not be unwilling to marry her. Harriet feared lest the belief of Mr. Parnell's still retaining an affection for her might render Miss Allworth uneasy, and therefore advised him gradually to slacken his addresses to her, and at the same time to increase in proportion his attentions for Miss Allworth that he might appear to prefer her, since a symptom of inconstancy she knew would not so much affect her as any sign of indifference, and Harriet's generosity so far exceeded her vanity that she very sincerely desired to be thought neglected rather than give any alloy to the happiness of her cousin. There was the more colour for this supposition, as Mr. Parnell had never been publicly discarded by her, since for the completion of her views she had found it necessary to preserve his acquaintance. Miss Allworth was happy beyond expression when she found herself the object of Mr. Parnell's addresses. Her wishes so far blinded her that she really believed Harriet was neglected for her, but yet knew she had long been endeavouring to serve her and was obliged to her for some instructions how to behave so to Mr. Parnell as to secure his esteem and confidence, the best foundation for love. As her brother was then soon expected over, Mrs. Allworth thought that to wait for his approbation was a proper compliment. Mr. Allworth was not at all inclined to object to so good a match, especially as it was much desired by his sister, and the marriage was celebrated soon after his return. This ceremony did not so engage his attention as to render him less sensible of the pleasure of renewing his friendship with Harriet, who received him with the sincerest joy. 
he found her greatly improved and every hour passed agreeably that was spent in her company they were continually together and never happy but when they were so every one talked of their mutual passion and they were so often told of it that they began to fancy it was true but surprised to find that name should be given to an affection calm and rational as theirs totally free from that turbulency and wildness which had always appeared to them the true characteristics of love they were sensible however that nothing was so dear to them as each other they were always sorry to part uneasy asunder and rejoiced to meet a walk was doubly pleasing when they both shared it a book became more entertaining if they read together everything was insipid that they did not mutually enjoy when they considered these symptoms they were inclined to think the general opinion was just and that their affection being free from passion proceeded from some peculiarity of temper mrs allworth thought she should give them great satisfaction in proposing a speedy marriage and rejoiced to see the first wish of her heart which had been for their union so nearly completed the old lady's proposal made them a little thoughtful they saw no very good reason for their marrying they enjoyed each other's society already and did not wish for any more intimate tie but neither knew how to refuse since the other might take it for an affront and they would not for the world have had the sincerity and tenderness of their affection brought into doubt besides they began to think that as their love was so generally looked upon as certain it might become difficult to continue the same degree of intimacy without exposing themselves to censure this thought was sufficient to determine them to marry and their entire affection for and confidence in each other convinced them that they ran no hazard in this step and that they could not fail of being happy as man and wife who had so long enjoyed great felicity in the most intimate friendship in consequence of this resolution lawyers were employed to draw up settlements and everything requisite for a proper appearance on their marriage was ordered but they were so very patient on the subject that the preparations went on slowly some who hoped to have their diligence quickened in a manner usual on such occasions affected delays but were surprised to find that no complaint ensued they grew still more dilatory but the only consequence that arose from it was a decent solicitation to dispatch without any of those more effectual means being used which impatient love or greedy avarice suggest these young people were perfectly happy and contented and therefore waited with composure for the conclusion of preparations which however slowly did however proceed the old lady indeed was less patient but a grandmother's solicitations have no very powerful effect on lawyers therefore hers availed little during these delays mrs tonston formerly the eldest miss denham having been extremely ill was sent to buxton for the recovery of her health as this place was but a day's journey from mrs allworth's house she expressed a desire to see her granddaughter and mr allworth and harriet as well as miss denham very readily accompanied her thither the accommodations at buxton allowed very little seclusion and as mrs tonston was sufficiently recovered to conform to the customs of the place 
they joined in the general society. The first day at dinner, Mr. Allworth's attention was much engrossed by Miss Melman, a very pretty woman. She was far from a perfect beauty, but her countenance expressed an engaging vivacity and great good humour, though a wandering, unfixed look indicated a light and unsteady mind. Her person was little but elegant. There was a sprightliness in her whole figure which was very attractive. Her conversation was suitable to it. She had great life and spirit, all the common routine of discourse, and a fashionable readiness to skim lightly over all subjects. Her understanding was sufficiently circumscribed, but what she wanted in real sense she made up in vivacity, no unsuccessful substitute in general estimation. This young lady was almost a new character to Mr. Allworth. He had lived constantly at his grandmother's till he went abroad, and as soon as he returned into the kingdom he went thither, from which, as it was the middle of summer, and consequently London had no temptations, he had never stirred. He therefore had been little used to any woman but his sober and sensible grandmother, two cousins who were pretty enough, but had no great charms of understanding, a sister rather silly, and the incomparable Harriet, whose wit was as sound as her judgment solid and sterling, free from affectation, and all little effeminate arts and airs. Reason governed her thoughts and actions, nor could the greatest flow of spirits make her for a moment forget propriety. Everything in her was natural grace. She was always consistent and uniform, and a stranger to caprice. Miss Melman was a complete coquette, capricious and fantastical. As Mr. Allworth was the prettiest man at the place, and known to have a good fortune, she soon singled him out as a conquest worthy of her, and successfully played off all her arts. By appearing to like him, she enticed him to address her, and by a well-managed capriciousness of behaviour, kept up the spirit of a pursuit. She frequently gave him reason to believe her favourably disposed towards him, and as often, by obliging him to doubt of it, increased his desire to be certain it was true. She kept him in a state of constant anxiety, and made him know her consequence by the continual transition from pleasure to pain in which he lived. He had not been much more than a fortnight at Buxton, when his attachment to Miss Melman became apparent. Harriet saw an assiduity in his behaviour very different from what he had ever shown to her. He felt that in the circumstances wherein he and Harriet then were, his conduct must appear injurious, and shame and the secret reproaches of his conscience made him take all possible opportunities of avoiding her presence. If he was obliged to converse with her, it was with an air so restrained and inattentive as to make her fear his regard for him was entirely vanished. The sincere affection she had for him rendered this apprehension extremely painful. She would have been contented to have seen another woman his wife, but could not bear the thought of losing his friendship. At first she passed over this change in silence, and appeared even not to observe it. But when they received an account that the marriage writings were finished, she thought an affected blindness highly unseasonable, and told him, in the most friendly and generous manner, 
that nothing remained to be done but to cancel them, that she plainly perceived another had obtained the heart she never possessed, that the measures taken for their marriage were of no sort of consequence, and she flattered herself she might retain his friendship, though he gave his hand to another. Mr. Allworth at first appeared confounded, but recovering himself, confessed to her frankly he never knew the weakness and folly of the human heart till his own convinced him of it, that he had always felt for her the most perfect esteem, joined with the tenderest affection, but his passions had no share in his attachment. On the contrary, he found them strongly engaged on the side of Miss Melman, and felt an ardour for her which he had never before experienced. That he could not think of being her husband without rapture, though he saw plainly she was inferior to his Harriet, both in beauty and understanding, and as for her principles, he was totally ignorant of them. He now, he said, perceived the difference between friendship and love, and was convinced that esteem and passion were totally independent, since she entirely possessed the one, while Miss Melman totally engrossed the other. Harriet was pleased with the frankness of Mr. Allworth's confession, and wished only to be secure of his esteem, but she saw him so wholly taken up with Miss Melman that she was convinced passion had greater power over his sex than esteem, and that while his mind was under the tumultuous influence of love, she must expect very little satisfaction from his friendship. She took upon herself the task of breaking off their treaty of marriage, and acquainted her grandmother with her resolution, who saw too plainly the reason for her doing so to blame her conduct, though she grieved at the necessity for it, and could not sincerely forgive her grandson's levity and want of judgment in preferring a wild, fantastic girl to the extreme beauty and solid, well-known merit of Harriet, an error for which she prophetically saw he would in time be severely punished. Harriet, from the intended bride, now became the confidant of Mr. Allworth, though with an aching heart, for she feared that after experiencing the more active sensations of a strong passion, friendship would appear too insipid to have any charms for him. She accompanied Mrs. Allworth home before the lovers chose to leave Buxton, but not till she had prevailed with her grandmother to consent that the marriage between Miss Melman and Mr. Allworth should be celebrated at her house. When everything requisite for the ceremony was ready, they came to Mrs. Allworth's, where the indissoluble knot was tied, and in the bridegroom's opinion the most perfect happiness secured to his future years. They stayed but a few days after the marriage, and then went to her father's house, till the approaching winter called them to London. Harriet found a great loss of a friend she so sincerely loved, but she hoped he would be as happy as he expected, and had the satisfaction of believing he retained a tender regard for her. They corresponded frequently, and his letters assured her of his felicity. After he had been some time fixed in London, he grew indeed less eloquent on the subject, which did not surprise her, as the variety of his engagements shortened his letters, and denied him leisure to expatiate on the most pleasing topics. Miss Denham had accompanied her sister home, and in the winter Mrs. Allworth was informed by Mrs. Tonston 
that Miss Denham had received a proposal from a gentleman of a good estate, but he insisted on a fortune of nine thousand pounds, which was two more than she was possessed of. And as they wished the old lady to make that addition, Mrs. Tonston, as an inducement, added that the gentleman was extremely agreeable to her sister. Mrs. Allworth was not inclined to comply with their views, and made no other answer to all Harriet urged to prevail with her to give the requisite sum, than that it was more than perhaps would at her death fall to Miss Denham's share, and she saw no temptation to purchase so mercenary a man. When Harriet found that all she could say was unavailing, she told Mrs. Allworth that if she would give her leave, she was determined to make the required addition out of her fortune, for she could not bear her cousin should be disappointed in a particular she thought essential to her happiness by the want of a sum of money which she could very well spare, adding that the treatment she had received from her cousins she attributed to childishness and folly, and should be far worse than they were if she could remember it with resentment. Mrs. Allworth was greatly touched with this instance of Harriet's generosity, and finding that nothing but the exertion of her authority, which her granddaughter acknowledged absolute, and always obeyed implicitly, could prevent her from performing her purpose, she determined to take the most effectual means of hindering it, by advancing the money herself, and invited Miss Denham and her lover to her house, where the marriage was performed, and they departed. Mrs. Allworth began to feel the infirmities of age, and now that she and Harriet were left to continual tete-a-tete, -tete, absolute quiet might have degenerated into something like dullness, but the disturbance they found not at home reached them from abroad. Mr. Parnell was wearied with his wife's fondness, who, not considering that he had married her more out of gratitude than affection, had disgusted him with the continual professions of a love to which his heart would not make an equal return. This fondness teased a temper naturally good into peevishness, and was near converting indifference into dislike. Mrs. Parnell, distressed beyond measure at an effect so contrary to what she intended, reproached him with ingratitude, and tormented him with tears and complaints. Harriet, who considered this match as in a great measure her own work, was particularly desirous of redressing these grievances, and took great pains to persuade Mrs. Parnell to restrain her fondness and suppress her complaints, while she endeavoured to make her husband sensible that he ought, in consideration for the cause, to pardon the troublesome effects, and not to suffer himself to be disgusted by that affection in his wife which to most husbands would appear a merit." Mrs. Allworth joined to Harriet's persuasion the influence her age and respectable character gave her, and though not without great difficulty, they at last saw Mr. and Mrs. Parnell live in peace and amity, without any of the pleasures arising from strong and delicate affections, or the sufferings occasioned by ill-humour and hatred. And whatever void they might find in their hearts, they were so happy to have well filled by two very fine children, which Mrs. Parnell brought her husband, who always treated her with great indulgence in hopes of fixing Harriet's good opinion, for though despair had damped his passion, yet he still loved her with the tenderest respect and reverence. 
End of section 15